0: Section 20 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 7, Chapter 3, Part 3. Reconciliation. That reconciliation to the church, which was represented as a loving mother, eager to welcome back to her bosom her erring children, should be regarded as a punishment, seems a contradiction in terms, yet so it was, and the Suprema did not hesitate to speak of those, quote, who had been condemned to reconciliation, quote. It would not be easy to invent a more emphatic illustration of the perversion of the spirit of religion by persecuting fanaticism. The apostate or the heretic, who had abandoned the church after admission through the waters of baptism, could only be reincorporated by abjuring his errors and applying for reconciliation. In the case of conversos, who secretly adhered to the Mosaic or Mahometan law, there could be no question as to this, nor was there with such heretics as Protestants to what extent other errors might constitute formal heresy requiring reconciliation, or might infer suspicion of heresy, light or vehement, was a problem for the calificadores, and sometimes was an intricate one, for the gradations of theological error are infinite and subtle. In the tumultuous proceedings of the early period, when, under edicts of grace, penitents came forward by the thousand, confessing their errors and begging for reconciliation, the ceremony was naturally simple. Under the instructions of 1484, the form prescribed by Joan Andrea was to be used. The inquisitors declared that the penitent had been an apostate heretic, who had followed the rites and ceremonies of the Jews and had incurred the penalties of the law but as he now says that he has been converted and desires to return to the faith with a pure heart and faith unfeigned and is ready to accept and perform the penances to be imposed they must absolve him from the excommunication incurred through the said crime and must reconcile him to holy mother church if as he says he is converted to the holy faith truly and without fiction no mention is made here of any subsequent ceremonies, although at least abjuration must probably have followed. When procedure was less hurried, and there had been time for its elaboration, the process became impressive. The sentence recited that the penitent was admitted to reconciliation, that as penance he was to appear in an auto de fe without girdle or cap, in a penitential habit of yellow cloth, with two red aspas or bands forming a st andrew's cross and a candle in his hand when after his sentence is read he should publicly abjure the errors confessed and all other errors and apostasy after which quote, we order him to be absolved and we absolve him from any excommunication which he has incurred and we unite and reincorporate him in the bosom and union of the holy mother catholic church and we restore him to participation in the holy sacraments and communion of the faithful, end quote. to which was appended a recital of the various punishments to which he was condemned. After the auto de fe was ended, the abjuration was administered. This was similar to the abjuration de vehementi already given, and in it he consented, in case of relapse, to submit to the penalties of the canons on the conclusion of this, he was formally absolved, and the next day his abjuration was read over to him, with a warning that in case of relapse he would be burnt. As described in an account of the Madrid auto de fe of 1632, this ceremony was imposing. The penitents to be reconciled were brought before the inquisitor-general, who was presiding. While they kneeled before him, he read a short catechism, COMPRISING THE CREED WITH SOME ADDITIONS, TO EACH QUESTION OF WHICH THEY ANSWERED, YES, I BELIEVE. THEN THE SECRETARY RECITED THE ABJURATION, IN WHICH THEY FOLLOWED HIM. THE INQUISITOR-GENERAL THEN PRONOUNCED THE EXORCISM, AND THE CUSTOMARY PRAYERS, AND THE ROYAL CHAPEL CHANTED THE Miserere, DURING WHICH THE CHAPLAINS OF THE INQUISITION STRUCK THE PENITENTS WITH RODS ON HIS SHOULDERS. After this the inquisitor-general recited the customary verses and prayers, and the royal chapel sang a hymn, while the black cloth was removed from the cross, which had been covered as a sign of mourning, and the inquisitor-general concluded the ceremonies with a hymn. Superficially there is nothing formidable in this reception of a wandering sheep back into the fold, but the serious aspect of reconciliation, justifying its characterization as a punishment, lay in the penalties which were virtually inseparable from it, and were customarily included in the sentence—imprisonment, San Benito, confiscation, and disabilities—with occasionally scourging in the galleys, some of which we have already considered while others will be treated hereafter. There was further the fact that the Canons pardoned the heretic but once. If, after reconciliation, he was guilty of reincidence, there was no mercy for him on earth, although the church in its kindness would not close the portals of heaven on him, and, if truly contrite, would admit him to the sacraments, although it would not spare him the stake. The crucial question of relapse, however, will be considered in the next chapter, and meanwhile it should be said that the Spanish Inquisition did not always enforce this cruel precept. In the later period, second reconciliations were by no means infrequent, and, even in the earlier time, men sometimes shrank from the holocausts which the strict enforcement of the rule would have caused amid a population terrorized into suddenly forswearing their ancestral faith. In Mahorca, under the Edict of Grace, there were 338 reconciliations, August 18, 1488, followed by 96 on March 26, 1490. Soon after this, an Edict of Mercy was published, under which there were reconciled a second time no less than 288 of the previous penitents. One of these, Antonia, the wife of Ferrer Pratz, was even reconciled a third time, June 28, 1509. Scattering cases of second reconciliations can also be found elsewhere there was a rule that the reconciled were not to be subjected to scourging or the galleys, even though they might have deserved them by varying and revoking confessions. But I cannot find that this was observed, for, in both the earlier and later periods, cases as we have seen were numerous in which reconciliation was accompanied with these corporal punishments. On the other hand, although the principle was absolute that reconciliation carried with it confiscation and perpetual prison cases sometimes occur in which these penalties were lightened in the toledo auto of november 30 1651 there were nine reconciliations in which the accompanying punishments were mostly trivial in one case the san benito was removed immediately on return to the inquisition it seems almost a travesty on solemn religious observances that effigies of the dead should be admitted to reconciliation but as the grave afforded no refuge from the inquisition this was a logical outcome of the system when a defunct heretic had recanted and sought reincorporation with the church as he could not be reconciled in person he had to be reconciled in effigy especially as the sentence was necessary to secure confiscation of his estate the only occasion of this was the death during trial of a prisoner who had confessed professed conversion and received sacramental absolution on his deathbed his trial would necessarily be continued and result in reconciliation and the inquisition saw no incongruity in parading his image before the people and performing with it the solemn farce of reconciliation there was a somewhat inexplicable instance in majorca of three Judaizers, who had died in prison during their trials in 1678, after manifesting the necessary signs of repentance. They were not included among the 212 reconciliations in the Autos de Fe of 1679, but, thirteen years afterwards, their effigies were reconciled in the Auto of July 2, 1691, and no theologian seems to have asked himself what was their spiritual condition during this prolonged interval? This reconciliation in effigy was not, as Llorente states, an innovation introduced under Philip III, but was practised from the beginning, for there was an instance of it in Beatrix Senner, deceased, thus reconciled May 2, 1499, at Barcelona. Apparently, the age of responsibility was the only minimum limit in reconciliation in the Madrid Auto of sixteen thirty two Catalina Mendez, a child of twelve, was reconciled with San Benito and six months' imprisonment at Toledo in sixteen fifty nine Beatrice Jorge and Ana Pereira, Portuguese Judaizers each ten years old, were reconciled. The former had her son Benito removed at once, the latter was sentenced to confiscation and four months in prison. Reconciliation brought with it one alleviation, for the reconciled as penitents were entitled to the fuero of the Inquisition. This was derived from the penitential system of the Middle Ages, which deprived the penitent of bearing arms during the long series of years for which penance was imposed and no one could be expected to assume it unless protected by the church against his enemies in this the inquisition stood in place of the church and cast its jurisdiction over its penitents during their term of penance in fifteen o one we find a certain pan basante of teruel a reconciliado to whom ferdinand had restored his confiscated property complaining to the king that he was persecuted and maltreated by his debtors and his neighbors, and that the inquisitors, to whom he had appealed for protection, neglected to aid him, whereupon Ferdinand promptly ordered them to come to his assistance, to enforce, by their officials, the payment of his just claims and to punish the aggressors. So far was this carried, that at Granada, in 1654, the reconciled penitents had an advantage in trade over the faithful by proclaiming exemption from the alcavala or royal tax on sales when the citizens complained of this discrimination the fiscal of the tribunal admitted that the question was a difficult one to subject the penitents to the royal jurisdiction would give rise to great embarrassments yet at the same time the inquisitorial jurisdiction ought to be a punishment and not a reward. That it was a reward we have seen from the eagerness with which it was claimed by all who could put forward the slenderest pretext. End of section 20